This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for May 18th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed, or you can find us on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. Click the red box that says Sponsor This Podcast, and you can do a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It is your old, old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, my friend and co-host, Case Lowe. In case we are one week down, we have basically four more televised King of Gate shows. And I just kind of want to do a, a heat check because this has been a, a lot of stuff happening and a lot of moving parts, at least this year, to determine Dragon Gate's 2021 number one wrestler. Well... The King of Gate tournament through one weekend has been really, really good. This is going to be a show full of praise because there's a lot of things that I, I not only really liked, but that I found to be really interesting over this past week. The issue is that we were one show deep when shit hit the fan, and immediately <laughs> the top stories did not become... Uh, whatever Yamato's doing, whatever Kaito Ishida's doing, whatever Shun Skywalker's doing, it became COVID wrecking havoc on Japan once again, and this time specifically hitting the Dragon Gate roster. And it's a bummer. It's a bummer, obviously, for the health and safety of the performers. It's a bummer for the headlines and the buzz of this tournament. It's a bummer all around, and it sucks. So we're going to talk about that up top. But then King of Gate... Don't let that distract you. Don't let the chaos of this tournament and the sickness and the lineup changes and whatever else, do not let that deter you from getting into these shows because in the ring, I'm really, really into what I've seen through three shows. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been very interesting seeing them go back to the what now has kind of been the standard format. I don't want to say traditional because they've changed this format up more times than they needed to, but... It, it, it's remarkable like how they've adapted to going back to Lapis Hall for an, for an opening day. And when we get to opening day itself, I have a lot of thoughts about like the idea of how they kind of formatted this. And then going to Fukuoka, I mean, you look at like the match work, and I have a notebook match every single show so far. And that was not the case last year. Maybe it is that the crowd, having some crowd helps. Maybe it is that they ha- have now adjusted to be filming in front of MT Arena now that they also have the Amazon 
Prime show in Japan that is also filmed there. So they're more used to it at this point, and it definitely came off that way. So up top, you've already mentioned it. Right before King of Gate, we got news that Dragon Daya was was testing high for a high temperature. The way that I know this is the case in Dragon Gate, and I think it's the case in most other major promotions in Japan. The way that their 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 processes are, case because unlike American promotions, they put out what their protocol was, which is very responsible in my opinion, and something that. You know, the, the, the fact that most promotions in America did not do that, I feel like, is a real lapse of judgment. But their protocol is basically the temperature checks, and then if you score high on temperature check, you are pulled, and then you go get a COVID test. And up until now, for Dragon Gate at least, they have pulled people for, like, high temperatures. But no one, with the exception of a dojo trainee, has tested positive up until, I guess this was the temperature check that was done in... Uh, and across Fukuoka that came back with both uh, with first Benkei testing high temperature and then they pulled him then they pulled Naruki Doi since Naruki Doi was in the match with Benkei and Dragon Daya was already pulled from the show and then they went and did testing the only like news about the testing is that we know that Benkei caught it Benkei has COVID uh, I both Benkei and Naruki Doi have been pulled from the tournament they have uh, forfeited all their remaining matches makes block a kind of a interesting situation but it's just something that at least from the way i look at it i mean this sadly this is how things are in japan within the wrestling industry new japan has gotten hit harder other promotions have had people get pulled because of their processes and it just kind of is the Lay the land. I hate sounding so defeatist about this. I feel really defeatist about this, guys. But it's just like this is kind of how things are. And until mass vaccination is at a scale in Japan that you know everyone's vaccinated, it's good. This is how it's going to be. It, it's a real bummer, and it's almost at this point hard for me to fully wrap my mind around. As you know, Mike and I live in America, and I live in Chicago, and. About 12 hours uh, from now when we're recording this podcast, Chicago's going to announce Lollapalooza 2021 at full capacity, uh, which is which is out there. That's not a, that's not a breaking scoop for the Open the Voice Gate listeners. I, I promise that's public information already. But, like, I'll be there. I'm going to go to that this year. And in Japan, it's still one step forward, and if not two steps back, then three or four steps back. And it, it, that's exactly it. It's defeating, and it's a bummer. Just from the way that I'll analyze things from a match quality perspective, you lose Doi and Benkei, who were your heavy hitters in the A block. You lose out on Doi versus Minora on one of the Fukuoka shows, and I firmly believe that was positioned in the main event. I firmly believe Minora was going to win that match, get a huge visual pinfall on Naruki Doi, and then he might have even beat Benkei this upcoming weekend, but we'll never know now. And then losing Dragon Daya really hurt the undercards of these shows, because on the second Fukuoka show, there was supposed to be a Jason Lee and Dragon Daya versus Kazuma Sakamoto and Dia Inferno match, and that, to me, sounded awesome. But instead, we got a pretty lackluster undercard on those shows. So, selfishly, it's a bummer. Obviously, the health and safety, like I said earlier, it, it just sucks all around. It, it's really unfortunate to see japan still struggling with COVID as much as they are and i mean it's not just king of gate this affects so masato yoshino is 
on tour with them. He's only, it seems to be doing one match at every location, which, you know, that's kind of what we expected after how things went with him and Higashi Osaka and Aichi. But you have to think that Naruki Doi would have been in every single one of these tag matches on, on matches on nights that he did not have King of Gate League matches. So that it hurts that there. For other people in the A block, BB Hulk and KZ have their uh, their biannual biannual is the right one, or is it semiannual? Semiannual. Sorry, Texas educational system. The semiannual <laughs> uh, triple header that they go and they do in Sapporo and Hokkaido, and it's a big thing because promotions don't usually travel to Hokkaido. Like you could, everyone can go do your research. It's very rare outside of New Japan and Dragon Gate. All Japan would run there and Noah. Those are the only, the only people that really ran Sapporo. So BB Hulk, BB Hulk now loses a match against Doi on one of these nights, and that's huge. Like, that is enormous for, like, that. It's enormous for, like, the hometown thing, and especially considering, like, for Sapporo, this would be the, the last chance they would get to see uh, two-thirds of the big six and all in the same ring at the same time. I have to imagine that they would try to do something along those lines, and now... It looks like that this beats our final match, and Sapporo is going to be a trios match with Hulk in it. So I mean, it's a bummer. Like, there's no way to kind of like to, to like mediate this. It, it, it's a it's a bad situation, and of course, uh, all of our best wishes and heal up soon to Benkei, and hopefully that they were able to catch this relatively early because they will be back at it tomorrow. By the time you all hear this, it would have already had a show in Chiba which is Binke's hometown. So Binke is missing his own hometown show because of this. It's just, you know, it's just it's just sad. Like, it, this is why I say it's kind of defeating, just because, like, it affects King of Gate, but also affects a lot of things around Dragon Gate, losing these two guys and then Daya for however long, and you just hope for their health, and it's just, like, circumstances just make this just a real bummer of a situation. I think from a very selfish pro wrestling perspective, it's a good thing that as of right now, as of the time of this recording, that only one block has really been affected by this, the A block, that it hasn't, you know, taken out a guy from the A, a guy from the B, and a guy from the C. As we'll talk about when we preview the shows this upcoming weekend, the A block, despite all of the chaos that's gone on, the A block is really simple to figure out now. Like, we don't have to do Meltzer G1 math on this podcast. The A block is really simple going forward, and we'll have that for you towards the end of the show. So, it, it, it's a bummer. It sucks. I really want to see Doi versus Minora. I really want to see Minora versus Ben K. I said last week uh, my pick to win the A block was Doi, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Minora was going to win the A block. God help us, Coach Minora, please win the A block now, given the rest of the participants <laughs> that are left. With all hey, Diamante. 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 Uh, we'll talk about one of his matches. That He did something that I will just describe as cool. I thought Diamante did something really cool over the weekend, and I am looking forward to having a platform to talk about a cool move that <laughs> Diamante did. Uh, but before we get to that... We have to talk about King of Gate opening day, which which you have uh, so rightfully dubbed this opening day, May fourteenth, from uh, what an undisclosed location in Kobe is that is that the proper way to say this? Well, they're not mentioning it where it is, but to take your old pal and Case's advice here, it's Lapis Hall in Kobe. It's where they do Prime Zone. Like if if for some reason somebody has bet you that it's not Lapis Hall, if that's a weird financial wager you have going on with a friend or a foe right now. Take our word for it. 
It's Kobe Lapis Hall. We've seen this video with a name attached to it before. They're just not <laughs> attaching a name to it this time. And I think they even say in Kanji Lapis Hall somewhere on it. Like, it's not hiding. And if you're taking that, that bet, since we gave you the advice to do so, you have to send us a dollar each. So, there we go. Red Circle Donations. Link is in the description. <laughs> It, that that's the first time that you could have gone said Lincoln bio and I would have just lost it. But <laughs> you're so close to hitting that case. But yeah, l- l- let's get into uh, opening day, as I've called it. And just like off the top, like just like your thoughts overall. Uh, I have two quick ones and I'll get out of your way. I thought that this was really fun. It wasn't as exhausting as Kingate last year. Like as I said earlier, it feels like that they've really like adapted to an empty arena context and. It'll never work, but I really wish more tournaments would have an opening day where everyone's in competition. You just have league matches because it feels a lot like it, it felt somewhat more prestigious in a way. It felt like a bigger event. The fact that we were for one in Dragon Gate getting nine matches in one show, they were all singles matches and they were all were tournament matches. And I thought that that really came off really well here. And it was something that it, it, it's not going to happen going forward unless there's another pandemic touch wood. But I thought that it was really cool. Yeah, this show was awesome. Outside of one match that I think specifically needed crowd engagement, maybe two, but specifically one, I thought all of these matches had energy. I thought there were two great four-plus star matches on this show. And there was just, this was such a, a, a breeze to watch. Again, nine singles matches on a Dragon Gate show, which sounds like it can be a daunting task, but I sat down and watched this all in one sitting and thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. So I I would like to see going forward, uh, assuming they do a big kickoff in Cork and Hall, or at times they've done an Ensemble Hall, the first King of Gate show, I would like to see more of this going forward because it just had a nice vibe to it. It felt exciting, and out of the nine matches, I think... Eight of them were really fun, and I'll take that on any show. I mean, I have more four-star matches in this show than I did for the entirety of Dead or Alive. That's a win right there. I, I think I I think I would two—well, I think I had two on Dead or Alive, and I think I had two here. That's not relevant, because I know this show uh, had a lot more energy and was a lot more fun than Dead or Alive. I, I, I think that's something that, we could, that everyone can agree with. Uh, opening match was in the B block, Dragon Kid versus SB Kento. Dragon Kid won with the Cristo, so he's 1-0 in the block as of the 14th and with two points, and SBK remained at zero. Okay, SB Kento is—he's going to be such a big star. It's unbelievable watching this guy work because I I didn't think this match was great. thought it was very good with three and a half stars on it, but there was something— to this match that I think is really impressive for a guy that's 18 months into his career. You can compare him to his contemporaries, Kakuta, who we obviously, uh, we, we weren't able to see what he was capable of in a big singles match because of his Dreamgate injury. Uh, Kamei, who's battled injuries, but we've, we kind of know his spot on the roster for the foreseeable future. Sora Fujikawa could be returning at any moment. He's obviously been, been falling behind because he got kicked in the jaw and Mochizuki broke his face. But the thing about SPK is that when he was a young boy, if you want to call him that, you know, the the seven months or so that he was under the Kento Kabune name, he was having those very fun Dragon Gate young boy style of matches, working from underneath, selling a lot, showing a lot of fire, a very plain babyface role he fit into it well. 
this performance, him as a heel, him as a character, this was a grown-up performance against Dragon Kid. This was what a grown man goes into competition and does. There were no traces of the young boy basics here. This was just SBK having a really, what you know, I, I will say heated despite the fact that there were no people here, but a, a really compelling, I will say, back and forth match with Dragon Kid. He sold, he did his character work well. The thing with SBK that amazes me is that since his heel turn, outside of the unit disbands match, which he was the focal point of, and I think that's one of the best matches in the history of Dragon Gate, this SBK character has not produced a lot of great matches. But his character is so strong and his work is so compelling that I have no doubt that once he puts his in-ring together, he's going to be simply unstoppable. And Mike, I don't know, has there ever been somebody, like a prospect in the Dragon system that you've seen that has the character work down, what we can tell from his crowd connection? I mean, this guy was over in front of crowds that can make noise. He's made crowds that can't make noise make noise. Have you ever seen a prospect where it seems like the in-ring is the one thing that he can really improve on, that the in-ring is the last of his impressive skill set? I mean, this is going to be a weird analogy, and I know this isn't a part of wrestling that you follow, at least actively, as much, but kind of, in a way, reminds me of when Julia came into stardom, in a way. But Julia was more experienced, she came from Ice Ribbon, but she had, like, character, charisma, look down. Her wrestling was... Not great, but it was getting there. And then basically they kind of like did training, like amped up her training by ha- making her have a lot of great matches. And the, the, that's the thing about SB Kento is like he does have the fundamentals down. It's just like fleshing out um, like matches like this. And I think this is why the tournament's so interesting for him because it's like, like look, even at Dead or Alive, the, the, the finals between Dead, uh, Dragon Kid and SB Kento, that fall was only like 10 minutes this match was only like nine minutes it it's always like the big test when they take you from multi-man matches which was the great thing about Binkei up until like his big push was they hit Binkei very well until the Mochizuki Dreamgate match which it was like oh we're gonna take you on the deep end and see where you are and SB Kinto really hasn't had that yet because he's because like that's the nice thing about tag matches about trios matches about bigger matches than that is that you there's enough stuff going on there that like you're not it's not reliant on you to uphold your end of the deal for 15 20 25 minutes like you would in a Dreamgate match so it's going to be interesting I definitely see the points I know I saw Chad make Chad Campbell make a tweet very similar to this today and I went three stars in this match I thought that it was a solid match but it was something that like they opened with this there was a really nice neck breaker in the ropes it was interesting how Dragon Kid took almost all the opening but it wasn't really different from anything that i've seen and everything else that they did i thought was genuinely fine and didn't really bring anything extra to the table yeah i think that's fair uh chad campbell at big boys play wcw had some some interesting thoughts on this i like when chad weighs it on Drangate because uh chad is someone whose wrestling opinions i respect more than just about anybody and when he watches Drangate, i feel like uh we we have very different takes. Like, Mike and I agree on a lot of the same stuff. Chad comes at it from a different angle, so I really like when he weighs in on this stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a rebuttal for that other than, that I find, other than the fact that I find SBK as an entity and as a prospect to be completely fascinating. Uh, I yeah. really just... Uh, God, he's, he's going to... He's already so good. He is going to be so good, and I'm really excited for that. 
Yeah, and I mean, he's still only 21. So Younger and, than me, and, it's sickening. I mean, it is absolutely sickening to think about. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things that whenever I think about that, I just think, okay, I'm another day close to the grave. I'm, I'm going to die before everyone else here. Didn't mean to get fatalistic here, but two matches with other sickeningly young people were the next match. It was from the C block. It was Kaido Ishida versus Hyo. Hyo, of course, stepping in for Hip Hop Kokuda, who has been pulled because of his injury at Dead or Alive. No real updates on that that I've seen, Case. Have you seen anything about Kokuda? I have not. No, so uh, we'll see. I mean, it seemed like that that afterwards people were like pretty optimistic about it, but who knows about that in context, in greater context. But the match, R.E.D. versus R.E.D., Hio versus Kaido Ishida. Kaido Ishida won with an ankle hold in 7 minutes and 33 seconds. That moves Kaido Ishida to 2 points, and Hio remains square on 0. I asked you uh, kind of in a roundabout way for a, a comp to SB Kento's progress at this point in our prior match. I'll ask you again for a comp as it pertains to this match because I don't I don't have much on to say about Kaito Ishida with the exception of the fact that he is just a beast and, and he was so compelling throughout the weekend both in the tournament matches and in the multi-man match he worked. But he always is a really interesting person to look at in this career between the Brave Gate at this point in his career between the Brave Gate challenge between him filling in for Kakuta and King of Gate and the fact that it seems like more and more he's starting to flesh out what he is on the roster and I think if you look at the participants from the match that since it happened Mike and I have been raving about and told people at the time and still tell people now this was such an important match in the history of Dragon Gate, the December 1st, 2016 tag match that was the five legends against, at the time, the five rookies, Benkei, Shun Skywalker, Yuki Yoshioka, Katsumi Takashima, and, of course, Hyo. And I think, you know, as, as we approach the five-year mark, we're really at the four-and-a-half-year mark of that match now, Obviously, Ben K and Shun Skywalker won a former Dreamgate champion, won a current Dreamgate champion. They're top dogs. They're they're in that upper tier on the roster. We kind of know what they are. Yuki Yoshioka, I think, will get there. Right now, uh, for various reasons, he's kind of a big question mark, but I, I, I'm not saying he'll win the Dreamgate at some point in his career. Wouldn't shock me if it happened. Katsumi Takashima, unfortunately, out of wrestling. Uh, I was just We were just talking uh, to somebody about Katsumi Takashima and how much fun he was for the six months that he was around. But then you have Hyo, who has carved out a niche on the roster as this maniacal, plucky, underdog heel. And those words don't even go together, really, but Hyo has made them work <laughs> into a character that is his own. Like, he he is doing stuff that I, I don't... I don't know if anybody else in wrestling right now is doing stuff the way Hyo is doing it, I thought this was a really good showcase of his skill set. And the closest thing that I could come up to of somebody that has that Hyo could mirror in his career was somebody like Kanda, who a few times a year is capable of having a great match, is often just going to be an undercard type of guy, but does his thing and he does it well, or at least in the case of Kanda, occasionally does it well. But I, I am really happy that after years of flailing from not even the undercard, but at times just fighting to get on the show in dark matches, Hyo really seems to have figured it out in this current role. Yeah, like I, I would put uh, Yazushi Kanda as the floor. I would say, of course, with Kanda, a lot of it is physical limitations. You know, I mean, even though he came back from that injury, like that was 15 years ago he came back from that injury, like 
your neck and your back never truly heal up. I mean, look at Yoshino. But uh, high end, uh, I I think I think ceiling, maybe uh, Brave Gate Run KZ. You know, oh, yeah, I, okay. I I kind of see him very similar to the Real Hazard Deep Drunkers uh, heel run of KZ at this point, where like KZ was the third on that team Doi Doi Darts team. He would be getting title challenges. He got Brave Gate challenges. Like he was a a member of it, but like his role basically was like the the shortish, like as you said, plucky heel, and it often had him being a fall post, one of the best fall posts in Dragon System history at that time. But that's kind of where I see him at this point. It was always going to be a struggle with Yo, especially in comparison to two huge guys like Shun Skywalker and Benke, and even like he's significantly shorter than Yuki Oshioka as well. So I mean, like he he has like an innate limit that. You know, it takes someone, like, really, like, charismatic and really skillful to break through, like, the, oh, you're going to be slotted at a Brave Gate challenger kind of level. Like, there are some innate ceilings in Dragon Gate, and for a lot of people, it is second or third on a champion team. For some, it is being a challenger for the Brave Gate, maybe getting, like, a chance short Brave Gate run. And then you get the people that you're talking about, like, number ones in units, Dream Gate champions, you know, top of the top of the food chain there and that's never going to be here but it's going to be interesting for him because i thought that he acquitted himself quite well there was like one like big mistake in this match that kind of took it down for me from being like a three and a half star match to being a three and a quarter star match i thought that this was pretty solid work in a rare heel versus heel match that doesn't turn out to like out be outright shenanigans yeah, that that's a, a very good point here. The heel versus heel dynamic worked because I think they both approach their characters from from such different ways. So at this point, you know, I was very much on board with this show. Yeah, yeah, no, like at this point, I was like, all right. There was one match that I already knew I was not going to be into when the match happened, but there, were, but like this was the match they could have gone either way, and the fact they got three and a quarter, this is a good three and a quarter. You know, I mean, given. Given Hyo, I mean, this is a step forward for him, and as you said, like he's figured it out in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And then from there, what what is next? I don't have the lineup in front of me. Was that Jason Lee versus Ata next? Yep. Also in the B block, Jason Lee versus Ata. Ata won with the Imperial Uno in ten minutes twenty five seconds. So that puts Ata at two points, and Jason Lee remained at zero. Look, I really like this. Uh, I I know I, I've seen some some tweets that people weren't as high on this than I was, but when I picture Ata versus Jason Lee in my head, this is kind of what I was hoping for. Thought it was a, a very crisp, compact style of match. I thought Ata busted out some offense at this match that I mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen from him before. He kind of did like a like a backdrop into a go to sleep almost is the way I would describe it. I I don't know what that was, but I really liked it. Uh, his Imperial Uno looked great at the very end. There was the the knock that I guess you can put on this match is at no point did I believe that Jason Lee was uh, going to score an upset win, and for a ten minute one sided affair, I can see how that would be a knock. I, I don't necessarily have a, a rebuttal to that, but this is another match that I I still really liked. Yeah, I went three and three quarters. I felt like that this was the match where I really recognized. Oh wait, these guys have been doing these kind of matches not weekly, but basically once or twice every other few months. For, for over a year now, and they get what works now and what doesn't in this context. And I thought that then in doing so, I felt like that Jason worked really well here and they got what made it work. Like, 
there wasn't the big epidemic that I remember last year. I was like, oh, wait, this match had another crowd brawl into the outside where we get to see the inside of this. Not as much of this on this show. There was, of course, some whenever there was like an RED member there, some new shenanigans. But these two guys really made it work. And the the, the uh, sequence that started with, with Jason Lee's game of death going into the Imperial Uno, great stretch right there. And, I mean, Ata's always been great in King Gate matches, like in these singles matches. And there was there's no one in the world who should have doubted Jason Lee's ability in this match. And, you know, the two of them came together and they had a great 10-minute match. Did you say you went three and three quarters on this? Yes. Higher than me, I was at, I was at three and a half. But th- that's exactly it. I mean, Ata always comes alive in May and June. I, I don't even know if this is a knock on him. I just find him working this style of match. And I don't even know how you would define this compared to the Dreamgate style, that main event scene. But I just think Ata is so much more compelling when he's doing something like this. And we saw that a few years ago when he had the match with Tozawa and the match with Susumu and King of Gate. That was that was five years ago already. Jesus Christ. But yeah, Ata typically does very well in King of Gate. And I, I like this match quite a bit. Another match, and sadly this will be both of these guys' sole match in King of Gate that really worked really well. It's Ben K versus Naruki Doi. Naruki Doi won with a schoolboy in 14 minutes and 39 seconds. So he will finish the tournament at two points, and Ben K will be getting the wooden spoon for the A block with zero points here. It, w- I went four flat on this. I thought this was great. Oh wow. Okay. So so we we differ here. First of all, I I am just now realizing that Ben K is has to be the only person by by the time the world explodes, which could be relatively soon if you read some climate change studies. Ben K is going to be the only person in King of Gate history that will have gone undefeated and also gone winless. And I really love that statistical uh, proposition for him. So if there's a positive of Ben K testing positive for COVID, is that this man has become a statistical anomaly. As for the match, I I agree with you. I think everybody was much more well-adjusted to working in front of no fans, and we didn't see the excessive... Uh, throw the guy to the floor, brawl around the ring post, and then go back in the ring like we did last year. This was a good match, but this was uh, one of the matches that I think would have been greatly enhanced by a crowd. Because to me, whereas you know maybe Jason Lee versus Ata was a match that uh, they they put together specifically for this environment, Doi versus Ben K felt like a match that th- this was going to be the match they had in Cork and Hall, and they were going to have that clap crowd to help build Ben K back up as he made his comeback because there was a lot of Naruki Doi offense. Doi targeted the arm of Ben K to a pretty drastic extent in this match, and not having even just the bare minimum of that crowd involvement took it down a level for me. It just seemed like a match that... Even if you throw 50 people in folding chairs in front of this match, all of a sudden it has a certain life to it that it's just not capable of having in this exact environment. I, I think that's entirely fair. I, I do feel like that they worked the countout tease. So they, uh, as Kay said, Nuriki Doi completely just tried to destroy Pinke's arm. And there was a big arm bar that happened after a countout tease that I thought like it translated really well like i was able to appreciate this i totally get like the wanting to have like the acoustic difference of at least like clapping being involved there like i totally understand that but i thought this all really worked i think these two guys have always had great chemistry like that final gate match in 20 in 2020 or 2019 yeah 2019 very very end of 2019 what what a time that was feels like it was uh much longer ago than it was the last ever dream gate match with that style of belt 
damn rest yeah. in peace yeah yeah uh smoke a full pack for a true one right there but uh <laughs> I, I, I loved, like, the stretch that was, like, the Binke crush headbutt into the Bakatari into the spear. Like, it, it, it was something that, of course, it would have benefited a, a, a from a corking crowd, but that's me going from a four flat to probably four and a quarter in that instance. But I I tr- I thought, I think, I, I've kind of, over the last 18 months, have grown to have a new appreciation of Naruki Doi case, if you even picked up on it. So I thought that he worked really well here, and I thought that these two guys, you know, that their chemistry just kind of came through for me well i will co-sign that take of completely reevaluate reevaluating the way i think about naruki doi because that that second dreamgate run which kicked off with the ben k match it just completely changed the way i thought about his entire career because i was someone that was not a fan of his first dreamgate run always looked at him as you know if not a 1b then a two or three tier guy but I saw him hold that Dreamgate belt for eight months last year, and I was really impressed with every single thing he did with it. I'm also impressed, and it goes to show just how much I love Ben K. A match in front of no fans, and this man still does the spear into the ring post spot. It it looks so vicious every single time, and I I will pop for that spot. Like the WWE spot where they spear a guy through the barricade, I hate it. I can't stand looking at it because it's so overdone. It's so played out. Ben Case during the ring post, more and more exciting every time it happens. Oh, absolutely. And Ben K just like we talked uh, we talked earlier about uh, about like Ben K uh, like missing this with COVID. Like uh, it's one of those things that over like the past 24 months, like of course Ben K went and gained and lost 40 pounds. Of course Ben K comes back from concussion looking really different. Of course, Ben K is the first person on the roster to test positive. Like, nothing surprises me uh, about things that happens to Ben K's health. Look, I'm I'm really glad you said that take and not me because th- when I first <laughs> read it, I was like, oh, of course. Like, come on. Like, of course he's the one that got it. If Ben K ever wrote an autobiography, let's just take the Doi match in December of 19 through now when he tests positive for COVID. Let's give him this 18 month stretch. Where if Ben K wrote a bi- uh, an autobiography, he could summarize everything that happened either in one page or in 200 pages. Like, he might just <laughs> decide that these 18 months, I don't want to revisit them, I don't want to write about them, I don't want to think about them. Or it could be an incredibly therapeutic process where, again, he goes, oh, well, for I, sure. <laughs> I, I gained 40 pounds, I lost 40 pounds, I changed my hair literally every single week, I got COVID, I recovered from it, hopefully, God willing, like, oh my god. <laughs> It's exhausting following Ben K right now because every single day this dude is doing something. And that was not meant to be like a dig or a slam at Ben K. I I find him fascinating. Like he is a he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's what it is. It's all of interest there. But after that, we had the rematch from Dead or Alive. It was in the C block. Keisuke Akuda versus UT. UT won with the Passion Flash Pen or Passion Flashpin in a minute 58. That puts UT at two points, and then Akesuke Akuda remains square at zero. UT did a promo post-match. Uh, I, in case I can summarize this match in two sentences, Akesuke uh, Akuda murdered him, then UT caught him. Loved it. God, I love this. This I, King of Gate is good for one... Typically, like, sub-five, sub-seven-minute match every tournament. I always think that sort of match structure is super interesting. 
in wrestling as a whole, not exclusive to Drangate, not exclusive to tournament wrestling, just in general, I wish we had more matches like this. I think they're super interesting, and I thought these two went out there and killed it for two minutes. I, I This was the proper follow-up to the Dead or Alive match, because now it feels like we have to get a rubber match at some point. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know when, I don't know when they would do it. I, I, no one has come along yet in the brave gate scene since Akuda's won the belt where I feel like they're on the same level as Akuda. And maybe, maybe UT is that guy. Like, I just feel like we need a third match between these two. Now I feel like their chemistry has warranted it. So it's, I, I just had a blast watching this. I really liked everything about this. Yeah, it, it it was a dream to be quite honest. And yeah, well, I I think there you go. There you have a future. But that a Kobe world. No, that, that, I, I that's, mean, that's what I was just about to say. Was that feels like it would be befitting of a a, a Kobe world match, and I think that would be a really interesting thing because UT is yeah. the only guy that I feel like has really stepped up to Akuda because it can't be Ashida. One, he's got no. the Twin Gate belt. Two, he can't go down like this. I think SPK is above the Bravegate. I think Akuta is probably too big for the Bravegate and is above it at this point. And there's no one on the roster right now. You know, and it could change with the snap of a fingers, and they could have a really interesting challenger come out and beat uh, Akuta for the belt. But as I look at this roster page, there's no one that I'm looking at other than UT that I think, like, yeah, that guy could beat Akuta, and it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's a situation like, if Yuki Yoshioka shows up tomorrow, he's too big. Like that's it would have to be a returnee, and none of the returnees fit. So, unless somehow Fumita gets there, I mean, if Fumita shows up, he's getting that Kobe World match. We all know that. <laughs> hey, if there's one guarantee in life, if Fumita's over here in July, that man is going to get Kobe World match. Now, have I been Facebook messaging with Fumita the past few days? Possibly. Did he tell me that he's going to be in Kobe World? No, he did not. But man, I could try to get that scoop. I, I think there might be some uh, issues now, not n- not just from COVID, but from contracts for him to do that. Sadly. That's uh, that, that's the very unfortunate part. Is I think Flamita has at least in the U.S. some exclusivity for a promotion that I I am admittedly not watching a ton of right now. Although whenever I see his name pop up, I think, damn, I should I should probably give that a watch. I got that Flamita Pizza T-shirt when we were recording that show with Alan. It's sitting in my closet. I just haven't found a good reason to wear a, Flamita, a, a penguin eating a slice of pizza and a Flamita mask. You know, maybe I, tomorrow I'll put on that T-shirt. I think I'll put on that T-shirt tomorrow. Not that we need to turn this into an everything elite podcast, but I do really hope at some point Flamita kind of trickles his way into that into that rotation because I I don't I don't know if we've ever seen Flamita and the young no I think we've seen Flamita and the young bucks in the ring a few different times but that's still a combination that I feel like there's a lot more to explore there no 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 I I'm totally with you on that then we got into match six this was an A block match uh, Takashi Yoshida versus BB Hulk Takashi Yoshida wanted the pineapple bomber moving him to two points Hulk is at zero and nine minutes and thirty six seconds and. This was the match that needed a crowd very badly. Yeah, because I don't, I mean, the work wasn't anything special, but I don't think the work was actively bad. But as no, I talked no. about, as I talked about during the Dead or Alive review, you know, every Takashi Yoshida match with Mochizuki, I have been suckered into it. Once Yoshida makes that hot tag and the crowd claps along, I am into it to, to a degree that I'm almost embarrassed by, but I've really enjoyed this run of his career Oh, the last six months have probably been the most consistently entertaining six months since maybe what he was doing a new hazard. But even then, I I really like what he's doing now. 
this just uh, it it needed something that this environment couldn't provide for them so uh at the low point on this show one that is skippable but if you're if you're watching all the way through i, I certainly did not find this match to be offensive by any means no no my one note that i had down for this match case was fine i g- other than this needed a crowd was fine i guess yeah that's about it it was you know it existed and a match that did not just surely exist. This was a match that we've been talking about for weeks as soon as the blocks were announced, case. This is a B-block match for King of Gate 2021. Natural Vibes versus Natural Vibes. KZ versus Susumi Yokosuka. Susumi Yokosuka won. The website calls it a pinfall, but it was a Jumbo Nokachi cutback in 16 minutes and 25 seconds. That moves Susumi to two points, and KZ stays square at zero. What a match, Mike. I mean, this this KZ guy, let me tell you, maybe may my favorite wrestler going right now. I There is a level of intrigue I have with KZ matches that I don't know if I have with anybody else. And this was a fascinating match because it's not exactly the way that I thought it was going to go. I thought KZ would win this uh, to certainly uh, position himself a head above Susumu Yokosuka. Instead, we got the opposite. But I thought the work between the bells was was really interesting. Similar to the Doi-Bin K match, KZ spent a lot of time working over the arm of Susumi Yokosuka. And there was, there was one spot in this match towards the finishing stretch that, that KZ had that I just really liked where uh, Yokosuka bounced off the ropes. KZ counters, and instead of doing the Sky to Schoolboy special, which we've seen him you know win big King of Gate matches with, we've seen that be a focal point of his rise to the top of the card. Instead of doing the pin, he locks in a key lock instead, it, it nearly taps out Susumi Yokosuka, and that was just one of those small things that I just lost my mind for in this match, and it feels like this was, I, I don't know if this match went 15 minutes or so, but it's just a bunch of little things that I really liked. It was everything I like about Yokosuka and everything I like about KZ, and they kind of put it into this match, and out came a four-and-a-quarter star match. Yep, I had the exact same rating, four-and-a-quarter. It was hard-hitting, and then, as you said, like, it moved to a really fascinating like submission part because it wasn't just like KZ t- turning this guy a schoolboy into a key lock. Have you ever seen Susumi Susumi Yokosuka do a long Cobra Clutch segment? Because this was the first time I remember seeing it, and it worked. It was a ten times better Cobra Clutch than someone else from the Dragon System who's in another company right now. Oh God, who's that? Who's doing a Cobra Clutch? Oh, Okada was doing a Cobra Clutch as a finish for a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot Okada was a member of the Dragon System. Hey, but that, hey, is, hey. that is now canon on our show, that we're only referring to Okada as a member of the Dragon System. That's super funny. Hey, he, he has a role. I, I mean, time's got a little tough down in Nakapon for a while, and, you know, selling that contract for uh, Okada probably kept the lights on for a while. I have been thinking about doing an article on the history of the Young Dragons Cup because I think it's a super interesting tournament to look at. But every time <laughs> I go to sit down to write it, I'm like, I could just DM like this. Like, even for voice, like, Rich has let me post whatever I want on Voices of Wrestling for six years now. I just don't know if I can make him proofread a- an article about the history of the Young Dragons Cup. That's just something we'll text about at some point <laughs> instead. I, I, I mean, uh, luminaries such as Kota Ibushi, Rocky Romero, and Helico, Trauma 2, Taiji Shimori, uh, the aforementioned Kazuchika Okada, the most recent winner, at least I could find, Magnus. Not the Magnus that everyone's thinking of. This is a Magnus who is related to Karistico. It's a fascinating tournament. I love 
post Dragon Gate split Toriumon Mexico, reading through those results, I find every card to be absolutely fascinating, much like this match, which was it was just so good. Uh, KZ gets the win. He goes to 4-1-1 one, one all-time with KZ in their singles matches, the one KZ win coming on a non-televised show in 2015, the draw from their King of Gate match in 2017. So let's position it this way. You know, we both predicted KZ to win this tournament last week. I am of the belief that if KZ wins the tournament, he's going on to headline Kobe World because I don't see where they can fit in a, a Dreamgate match in between the finals of King of Gate and Kobe World with the way the schedule is. Hypothetically, if it's KZ versus Skywalker at World and KZ wins, certainly a dangerous gate has all the makings of a KZ versus Susumu main event. Would I would that be a fair prediction to make? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it, it'll either be Susumu or Naruki Doi for dangerous gate. You know, <laughs> you could you could never count out Mister Oda Ward City. That is a very good point. <laughs> But but yeah no I I think that like at least like through this first show and how the first week played out made sense Casey takes the early loss and he's going to win out his block I think so uh, I think that's a that's a very safe prediction uh, winning blocks is something that Kota Minora is going to get very used to and we had Kota Minora versus Diamante in the semi main event of this show yeah this was semi main event in the A block we talked a little bit about the A lock A blocks earlier uh, Kota Minora won with a new finisher. It is called the Engranaje, which is Spanish for gear, which makes sense because Kota Menor, for people who don't know, was originally training to was real originally in trade school to become a mechanic before he decided to become a professional wrestler. That's why he has all the that's why he had all the gears on his site. That's why one of his his flashman's called gear and he has another one called Gong, which is German for gear as well. The Engranaje is a array crash like arm breaker like the focus is on the arm going into a crossfade looks really sick uh that was 10 minutes on the dot which you know i don't know how they pull off that but you know i thought this was a really fun match i went three and a half on it i'm at three and a quarter another one of those really fun matches i i think something like this becomes much more palatable on a show like this when you have for me the greatness of kz versus Susumu. you had already hit that point earlier in the show with doi versus ben k and then again with the natural vibes match so you were kind of on board so had the Natural Vibes match not delivered to that degree, I would have been going like, eh, this is all fun, but I need that great match. We got that great match, so this was gravy for me. Absolutely. And then we got to the main event. This was this had to be the main event. It is in the C block. It is Yamato versus the Open the Dream Gate champion Shun Skywalker. Yamato delivers the first defeat to Shun Skywalker, first direct fall he has taken since returning from Mexico in, de- in November. He broke out the Ragnarok case. I think this is third time he's hit the Ragnarok, I want to say. But he broke out the super finishing mover uh, version of the Galleria in 16 minutes and 12 seconds. I love this match. To this point, my match of the tournament. And Yamato is starting to hit a very, very interesting point in his career. There, there's a number of things that I want to talk about when it comes to Yamato in this match. I'll, I'll save most of it for after we talk about the Akuda match, because I kind of think they go hand in hand. The one thing that I'll make note of here, and it's something that I especially noticed in this match, it's something that I thought was apparent, oddly, in the Dragon Kid versus KZ match too, and it's something that I, I think lingered around all of these tournament matches, but those two in particular, was the physicality 
was off the charts. I don't know if I would necessarily credit this to what I've claimed to be a shifting in house styles for the past two years now, since January of 2019, where we've really seen a new style become the prevalent focus of Drangate. I don't even necessarily know if it's that. I just think guys were laying into each other on these shows, and Yamato and Shun in particular, uh, quite frankly, pardon my French good sir, but they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, Yamato used Shun's body as a jungle gem just to find ways to torture him. Um, the one thing I'll say, and I think this is something that really we can get into, I, I, I'll say my bigger point for the Akuta match. I love what we're seeing out of Yamato right now. I, like this is, I, dude, I am, I am buzzing with excitement after the the Garukin mask match. Which right. I, yeah. I, I think I think we <laughs> talked about that two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. If, if you've enjoyed what Yamato's done in this tournament, and you did not watch the Garukin mask match from from his home promotion. Go back two weeks ago. There's a link in the description of that episode that I, I, I uploaded that match to YouTube. Yamato versus Garukin Mask. And it is weirdly becoming like a, a prevalent match because we kind of saw Yamato work a style that we noted on that episode. Man, we haven't seen him work like this in a while. And he has brought that style to King of Gate. And I am pumped about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was just like a... And, and built up a storyline that I think we're going to see uh, see throughout the tournament, which kind of plays off something that happened in the Champion Gate lead-up, that uh, Yamato le- led off the tournament by really messing up Shun Skywalker's knee. Like, he was going for the knee and the ankle. He did, like, a really gross version of the go-to-hospital kick into it, and we see, and we'll talk about it in Fukuoka Double Shot, how kind of uh, really built upon that, and I think that's going to be a major storyline for Shun. But, like, these guys, like, we had an SSW kickout. We had a Galleria kickout. It just was really just powerful stuff. There was an ugly uh, avalanche backdrop out of the Dojima Sleeper oh that happened. Oh, my God. That, just, was, that, that was brutal. Yeah. It just was, like, a level of brutality that, you know, we've been talking about, like, the Brave Gate matches. The Brave Gate matches aren't like this. Like, this is, this is MMA Yamato, the battleship coming back for one more go, and I'm here for it. Four and a half stars from me. Yep, four and a half stars. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we're going to kind of run through the Fukuoka shows. We'll talk a little bit about the non-tournament matches when appropriate. But they were back in Fukuoka across across Fukuoka in Hakata on the 15th and the 16th. They, of course, adjusted the cards. So there was one tournament match that was forfeited on the second night. That was the match that Case talked about earlier. Naruki Doi lost via forfeit over or two, Kota Minora. Night one, was there any big non-tournament stuff you want to hit on before we start talking about King of Gate? Uh, the only things that I'll, I'll note in the opening match, uh, Horiguchi and SB Kento did the Hage spot on SB Kento. He was wearing his hat. Horiguchi removed his hat and did the H-A-G-E chant at him. That is a level of self-awareness in this promotion that this is why I watch that spot really, really pop me. And then uh, the... Shun versus Ishida match, that, that multi-man, I would not call essential viewing, but I do think it adds a layer to their match in night two. If you have the time to watch that, 
uh, the night one R.E.D. versus Masquerade multi-man match. I would recommend it as you get into night two in the Skywalker versus Ashida singles match. And also you get to see Fumi, Shadow, Tiger, a.k.a. Kakatora, visibly make Masked Man corpse by sneaking in and doing the Masquerade entrance. It's two for two. He's done this before, and it's just as funny as the first time. How can they stop him? They can't stop it. Uh, Fumi, Shadow Tiger. So j- j- just so we have it on record, first match was a three-way six-man, one-fall match. It was natural vibes. Susumu, Ginki, and UT versus R.E.D., Kai, S.B.K., and Hio. Unaffiliated, Sairio, Problem Dragon, Ho'olun. The fall was U.T. over Hio with a passion. There was a tag match. Ultimo Dragon and Gamma versus Yosuke Samurai and Punch Nomonaga. Uh, Ultimo got the Log Maestral on Punch Nomonaga. And then that 10-man tag, Shun Skywalker, won by disqualification because Kaido Ishida just started murdering his knee and using weapons. And you can't do that. If you throw down a referee in Dragon Gate, you can get away with a lot, but don't touch the referee. That's always going to cause the DQ. So those were the non-tournament matches. Match three on the show was from the A block. It was Takashi Yoshida, who went to this match 1-0, versus Diamante, who was 1-0. So both of them were at two points. Diamante advanced with the Super Torre, which is this really sick tilt-a-whirl cutter on Yoshida. So that puts Diamante at four points and Takashi Yoshida at two. This is the segment called Diamante did a cool move, and I want to talk about it. He did several I, cool moves here. I, I almost, Okay, so I almost tweeted this, and then I got super insecure that... This move, he's either never done it before, and I noticed it here, and it excited me, or he does this in every match, and I've just never noticed it before, and I I don't know which one it is, but he did what I will describe as the phoenix in this match, where he, he had Diamante, or he had Yoshida up, like, grabbing him by the hand, and then bounced off the top rope, bounced off the middle rope, and then bounced off the top rope into this crazy twisting arm drag, and that's a spot that I've really only seen Ray Phoenix do in Diamante, yes. who's got, who has to have six inches on him, busted that out of this match. That was awesome. Yeah, no, he used Yoshida as a base, which was really amusing. So <laughs> Very brave of him, by the way. Well done, Diamante. It was a lot of trust. Yeah, a lot of trust. The rest of the match was kind of there, two and three quarters. At least, uh, at least Yoshida had a crowd so Diamante could do cool things. I, I really wish we would have gotten a stronger Diamante performance. I don't think it's anything he's done specifically. No. I just think it was the, the the luck of the blocks that he was in. He didn't necessarily have a chance to to showcase how much he's improved because I think if you're someone that is popping in for these King of Gate shows, uh, just as you would have done last year or the year before and you see Diamante, you would go, eh, who cares? Not really my favorite. But he has improved to, to such a tremendous degree, but he did not get a chance to showcase that in this tournament. Yeah, and with the people left over and the matches that will be televised, that's it for Diamante. Like, nothing else he's doing is making tapes. That's so it for the we'll... A block. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So then we go into block C, Yamato at 1-0 with two points versus Keisuke Akuda 0-1 with zero points. They went to a 20-minute time limit draw. In King of Gate, that is a one point awarded to both. So that moves Yamato to three points and Keisuke Akuda to one point. After I watched the show, I watched the show Saturday afternoon, I DM Mike and I said, hey, when, when, when you watched Yamato versus Akuda, send me your thoughts. I'm, I'm curious what you thought about it. And then Mike didn't watch the show until a few days later. And in the, in the time between, I suddenly became much more confident in my opinion of this match because I was kind of <laughs> on the fence about how I felt about it. And I sent Mike a DM yesterday. I was like, no, don't tell me what you thought. Save it for the air. So... Before I share my thoughts, I'd like to know what you thought about this match. 
Well, we got more MMA Yamato, and with a guy who's able to do it, and when I say MMA Yamato, he always does grappling. He is someone with a pancreas background. He has done amateur MMA. He might actually have an actual fight on record, but that's under his shoot name. But it, it's something that, like, it thrives with. He thrives with someone who's able to kind of do something, so it's not just looking like he, like Yamato's doing really showy grappling and there's really nothing to it. Like, Keisuke Akuda knew how to work it, and they really committed to it. And basically was there were, like, actual, like, bumps and throws and, like, uh, and moves, but it was mainly grappling. And it was, I really like how, like, of course, Keisuke Akuda, he is a kickboxer by training. He did IGF fights, which I don't even know what rule set those were, uh, whatever Noki rules were of that night. And, you know, these two guys worked really well together. This is never going to be a style that I'm going to be super high on. That's my own burden to bear. That's not on them. But I appreciated it enough, and I thought that this was well done enough that I went four flat. I thought that this was really great. I'm even a little higher on it than you were. I absolutely love this and uh, this is a, a match I, I almost feel like I need to link certain people to because the, I think the people that are going to enjoy this most kind of like I was talking about with Don Fuji a few weeks ago about how the people that would enjoy his entire career the most are the people that never watched Drangate. This was like Drangate uh, meets Grapple Fuck but it was like a good Biff Busick match and not a boring Timothy Thatcher match. I I thought this was so compelling. They worked 20 minutes on the ground pretty much and I was into it the entire time. Another match o- over this weekend of shows where I talked about the physicality earlier. And this is one where, I mean, it's the, I, I don't really feel like we've ever seen Yamato get his ass kicked all that much. Like, he is a guy that, that loses and, and has taken some big bumps. But over Yamato's career, I don't know if this guy has ever truly gotten his ass kicked. But he certainly came close to hitting that mark with Akuda here. Because, I mean, you know, Akuda's a, you know, an outsider and kind of a punk kid, and Yamato's the ace and the face of this promotion. And Okuda looked like he was on his level in this match. Like, Yamato was fighting from underneath in this really, really compelling way. I mean, the match ends with Okuda choking out Yamato as the time limit bell sounds. And I that is really saying something, because I feel like most Brave Gate champions... Although Dragon Gate wants to protect that title, like Yamato would just beat them at some point within the 20 minutes, but they go to a draw here, and Akuda looked really, really impressive. I think this was just a huge win for both guys. I really, really liked what they brought to the table here. Four and a quarter for me. Yeah, it, it, it's something where, like, this, with how Yamato's kind of, and maybe it's just something that he's in matches with people he feels like he can kind of do this style with, and they're going to complement it a little better, but... We're, we're starting to see the stuff that when we did the Rewind Rewatch series that we really enjoyed from Yamato, like things that like, oh, in the last decade, like aspects of his character are dialed down back. And I mean, he's not necessarily just like this, this punk who will choke you out and then hide under the ring and dropkick you. It just is nice to see him kind of go back to that a little bit and maybe bring that more towards his style, especially if he's someone that, I mean, I'm still of the mind that yes, KZ, it's him or KZ winning King of Gate here, but I'm still of the mind that Yamato is about to turn 40. If we're going to get a big run, like one last true run out of him, it's coming soon, and it's almost like he's adapting himself for that run in some way, and that might just be me reading my own thoughts into it, though. I, I was going to mention his age, because y- Yamato's at a very interesting point in his career. He's going to turn 40 in September. 
we've now seen in this King of Gate, and it's the first time I think with Yamato specifically I felt like this, where he is coming across like an elder statesman on the roster. You know, he wrestled Shun, he wrestled Okuda, he's in a block uh, with, you know, UT and Ashida and Hiyom, and he's by far the oldest guy in his block, and he's starting to work like it, and he's working, you know, as a babyface and high-end, but he's working with an edge that he has so often lacked as a face, whether it is in Junction 3, uh, parts of, you know, Kamikaze, at least in what I've watched, was real hit or miss for me, you know, but Junction 3, Akatsuki, and especially the Tri-Vanguard run with the Dreamgate belt a few years ago, like, he had no edge. He he was not interesting in his last Dreamgate title run, which puts him in a very interesting position because Yamato is one of only three four-time Dreamgate champions in the history of this promotion, the other two being Shingo Takagi and Masaru Yoshino, and Unless something drastically changes, Shingo's not winning the belt again, and Yoshino's not winning the belt again. So, Yamato is in a position to, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, become the most successful man in the history of the Dragon System, assuming he wins the Dreamgate belt again. He's turning 40 this year, and we've kind of seen this before. This is very similar to what he was doing in 2016, five years ago when he won the belt. He was in the Dead or Alive cage match, had a big moment there. And then went on to have a really, really strong King of Gate run that year. He had a match with Shingo, a match with Don Fuji that made tape, the semifinals against Akira Tozawa, and then the finals against Big R Shimizu, which uh, it was a tremendous match. If you can find Yamato versus Shimizu from 2016, I would highly, highly recommend it. And then he goes on to headline Kobe World. He beat Shingo in a match that I nearly went five stars on. And then the wheels fell off. And I almost feel like I have to be very careful with how excited I get because Yamato was a guy who it seems like time after time, he's either great as the dominant heel or he's great as the chasing babyface. He is not someone that works well as the undisputed number one babyface, but he's also never worked this style in that position before. And that's what I find so intriguing about this shoot match and so intriguing about this Akuta match. Yamato's a guy who's been a, a pretty steady hitter throughout his entire career. We kind of know what Yamato can do, and we know what he can't do. But this is a new wrinkle on him, and through two matches in this tournament, and I think he's capable, he's wrestling Hio this weekend on tape, I think he's really capable of having a really interesting match with Hio. And if that delivers, and it's worked in any sort of similar style to either the Skywalker match or the Akuta match, I, I just, I, I'm going to lose it. I, I won't be able to contain that excitement for Yamato anymore because I think we are now entering a really interesting point in his career. Stylistically, legacy-wise, I, I was out on Yamato for so many years and I'm starting to be back in, baby. An interesting thing is, you've talked about the young people we face in this block. We didn't really talk about this last week, but the C block, like let's say, well, Hio's not much older, so it's not really much to change, but... In that block, you basically have the entirety of the rookie ranking tournament, with the exception of Yuki Yoshioka and Benkei. Yeah, like, that, that's it, who he's facing off against. I mean, it goes to show that the rookie ranking tournament was two years ago, and you're now you know putting these guys in a King of Gate block, which I think that by itself is an accomplishment. But you know, Shun and Ashida are, are are heavy hitters in this block. I don't think Ashida's going to win his block. I just think it's too stacked. But if Ashida was in the B block or the A block, I would certainly think he at least has a shot. Like we've said earlier, Yo's carved out his niche. UT has been a tremendous addition to this tournament. I hope he's back in it next year, assuming he's healthy. 
it it goes to show just that the young talent cultivation over the last three or four years has been second to none. Absolutely, absolutely, and that that leaves us with the main event of May fifteenth show in across Fukuoka. It is in the B block. It is KZ who is zero and one with no points versus Dragon Kid who is one and zero with two points. KZ won with the impact in fifteen minutes and six seconds, moving him to to two and. Dragon Kid also remains at two points. Like I said earlier, uh, a match that I thought was shockingly stiff and aggressive at times. I thought these two really laid into each other. I think that's something that KZ is doing a lot now. Something I really enjoy. A match that I thought was consistently very good. uh, Never really great. Never really bad. Just kind of had that steady through line throughout the match where I I was moderately enjoying myself the entire time. I ended up going three and a half stars on this. Yeah, I this was like one match where I felt like the the crowd was a little bit dead, and I felt like that was a little bit of a detractment here. Uh, I thought that they were great. I went three and three quarter star on it. That I wish the crowd was a little bit more up. And did you notice that Casey's uh, somersault senton that he does slingshot senton over the top rope onto the victim? Did you notice that uh, Dragon Kid was rolling onto his side when that hit, and that looked like that sucked. I, I did not notice that, but that sounds incredibly painful from the way you describe it. <laughs> it. It was like straight down on the elbow. I was like, fuck, that looks like that hurts. <laughs> like well, well, Dragon Kid and Jay pointed this out on Twitter, but, you know, we ended up spending a lot of time, I think, you, me, and Alan Forrell on our, our Greatest Wrestler Ever shows over on the Pro Wrestling Torch. We talked a lot about Dragon Kid towards the end of that show and just what an interesting figure he is. And he's a guy that had three featured matches in two main events on these first three Camgate shows. This was 45, and he just never missed a beat. And it, it really goes to show, you know, again, one of those, like, sneaky, super impressive careers. You don't really think of Dragon Kid as this guy with, a, you know, incredible longevity or the ability to reinvent himself, although I do think Dragon Kid, and I, I talked about this uh on Pro Wrestling Only, the forum recently, just how interesting Dragon Kid's career arc has been and how I, I really enjoy late-stage Dragon Kid, like 2014 onwards, more than I do young, springy, best-flying wrestler in the Observer Awards, you know, 2000, 2001 Dragon Kid, because I think he's turned into such a smart wrestler. And and these two matches, the KZ match and the Ata match the next night, I think were great showcases of that. Yeah, let's get into the next night. Uh like we did for the first for the first one, uh, what were your thoughts? Any big takeaways on the non-tournament matches? Oh no, not on this show. This uh, this undercard was pretty dire. It happened. The undercard happened. Uh, opener Yamato, uh, Keisuke Akuda, and Kagatori. You, you know that's what I like about about high end. They went out, they grappled for twenty minutes, they did a fist bump, and then they're back at it in the opener the next day. You know, just guys being dudes. Uh, they were going up against the uh, Masquerade Trio of Kota Minora, Jason Lee, and La Estrella. Uh, Kakatora won with his uh, Gurimakukari. Uh, I hate that one. I always hate pronouncing that one case, and I know that, that, that that's my cross to bear. But... Uh, yeah, I just wouldn't do it if I were you, but more power to you. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Saki Akai has the same finish in DDT, and she calls it the Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> Just, like, picking hard words to pronounce. <laughs> Just picking difficulty things for my dumb American tongue. Uh, match two, Takashi Yoshida and Punch Tomonaga versus Kazuma Sakamoto and Dai Inferno. Sakamoto won with a pop-up powerbomb on Punch Tomonaga. Trio's match, Ultimo Dragon, Yosuke San Maria, and Problem Dragon versus Ryo Saito, Gamma, and Ho-Ho Loon. Uh, Ryo Saito got the win with the Cyrio Rocket on Problem Dragon. 
match four was a 10-man tag match. Speedstar Final Countdown Hakata. It was Masato Yoshino with natural vibes. So KZ, Suzumi Yokosuka, Ginky Horiguchi, and UT uh, versus the RED team of BB Hulk, Kai, Diamante, SB Kento, and Hyo. KZ won with a running elbow smash in a sequence where he uh Yoshino was like visibly like having a great time this entire match. Like I'm sad that him and KZ never really had a big run after Russell won because those two guys seem to really be amused with each other. But their finishing stretch was uh KZ did the Nobo smash, uh Masato Yoshino did a European uppercut that took KZ aback, and then there was another KZ elbow smash to finish the match and after the match Masato Yoshino remembered he was bequeathing moves and he said uh UT do you do missile drop kicks okay uh you get the missile sent on did, did you I think you said Russell one did you mean world one yeah I wrote down I, I wrote down w-1 in my notebook that, that, that's not a call out I was trying to remember if I missed something or not that was for that no. was not like this idiot forgot about wrestle one I or <laughs> world one see I'm doing it now I was just clarifying for myself uh which I, I would agree with Yoshino and KZ it seems like a real casualty of Yoshino's retirement at this stage in his career and how it aligns with KZ's career both as a team and as opponents it just seems like we should have been able to have something more there, but the stars did not align. I will say I thought Yoshino moved around better in this match than he mm-hmm. did in the Dead or Alive match, uh, which is, is nice to see because the Dead or Alive match, quite honestly, really bummed me out. I just did not – it just it bummed me out. It left, a, it left a pretty bad taste in my mouth, not because of anything Yoshino did himself, but just because of the state he was in. But this was you know, certainly not great by any means, but this was much more enjoyable. Yeah, Masato Yoshino got to get into some reindeer games with the natural vibes team, which is nice to see. Yeah, you know I mean, like that—that's what we want from his farewell, not him trying to do stuff that visibly hurts him. Like, you, like uh, this was. Sorry, sorry to cut you off here, but you think Yoshino has ever uh, indulged in the good stuff? Do I think? Well, he doesn't smoke cigarettes. That's true. But, right. <laughs> but but does he smoke the kind? Did he smoke the kind when he's been in the states or in other countries? I don't think so. He does. He he's too straight laced. Yeah, I I don't see that happening. I will say, if I was ever in a situation where Masato Yoshino offered me weed, I do think I would say yes. I don't think like even straight edge case, I'd be like, well, it's like Yoshino. Like, of course I'm gonna. It's like Yoshino and Snoop Dogg are the two that I can't turn down. So if he does do it, I hope he enjoys it. <laughs> I, I I mean, different natural vibe tandem. Different natural vibe tandem. <laughs> yeah. There, there with that. Uh, so the three uh, tournament matches, of course, one of them was a forfeit where uh, Kota Minoru defeated Naruki Doi by forfeit. Uh, Naruki Doi finishes the tournament with two points, and that moves Kota Minoru to four. The two other tournament matches, the first one was in the C block. It was a rematch from Champion Gate. It was Shun Skywalker versus Kaido Ishida. Shun Skywalker won with the SSW in 14 minutes and three seconds. That moves Shun to two points, and that keeps Kaido Ishida at two points as well. Uh, just to, to quickly reemphasize this point, I firmly believe Minoru was going to beat Doi here, and it was going to be a really big deal. So it just it, it's, it sucks for a number of reasons, but it really sucks for Minoru because I think they were going to position him to have a really big tournament. As for Ishida versus Skywalker, I've seen some people, I think mainly the Voices of Wrestling flagship count, have called this their match of the tournament so far. I would not go that far, but this was an undeniably great match. I, I think it's a match that I, I almost feel like 
I would passionately defend this match like I like I would have done in 2015 or so on the internet if somebody didn't like this match because I could see a gripe there with Shun Skywalker selling if you're looking at this from a very black and white and arguably boring perspective because Ashida, you know, set things up the prior night in the multi-man match by just destroying this guy's knee with the RED box and then he came in here and had the same approach. He continued right where he left off and he brutalized Shun Skywalker's knee. And there's a lot of moments down the stretch in this match where Skywalker's running the ropes, he's throwing big kicks, he's doing moonsaults, and I think every single time he threw one of those big moves, he would eventually sell the impact and the long-term devastation that Ishida had done to this D. I thought this was a super, super smart, super intriguing performance by Skywalker, whereas I think their Champion Gate match was quite honestly... Uh, more of a Kaito Ishida match. I thought he was the one that I, I was really intrigued by. I thought he kind of stole the show there. This was, to me, a very complete Shun Skywalker performance, and I, I, I'm kind of curious to see if you feel the same way, but Shun left a very good impression on me in this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, this was a match where everything was, was based off of Shun and his selling, like, and, you know, it was really... Well done, and and it was the selling was, was so good that most of my my first notes were about oh Ishida has his number early, Ishida is really coming into his own, but that's reliant on your your opponent being able to uphold their end of their deal, and Shun just had a superlative effort there, but it's they they had a really uh, solid way of continually going back to the ankle lock, and then Shun had a great babyface fire going into his comeback to the finish that I kind of, it was like, oh, here's the blaster. That's it. That's over. We're going to see him get murdered now. And lo and behold, Shin Skywalker murdered that man in the ring with the SSW. So it, it, it was a success across all boards. It was an exceptional match. It's probably my number two match in the tournament at this point behind the Yamato Shun match so far, but it's right up there. I went four and a quarter on it. I thought this was exceptional. Yeah, I'm at four and a quarter as well. It is my number two match of the tournament behind Yamada versus Shun. I liked it a little bit more than Yamada versus Akuda, and a little bit more than KZ versus Asumu. Great, great, like, finishing stretches in the final moves of the match. Skywalker goes for the SSW, and Ishida countered it into a schoolboy, which I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that counter, and if they have, they certainly haven't done it as smoothly as Ishida did. Skywalker kicked out, and then he immediately went back to the same spot, hit the SSW for the win. Just a really emphatic way of winning this match, a great way to cap things off. Like I said, I'm at four and a quarter on this one. Yeah, this was just truly exceptional stuff. Main event was a was a rematch from from Final Gate 2018 case. This was the uh, in the B block Dragon Kid versus Ata. Dragon Kid went to this match one and one with two points. Ata was one and zero oh with two points. Eight, uh, Dragon Kid won with the Ultra Hurricane Rana, putting him at four, and Ada remains at two points. It was a 17-minute and 44-second finish. I don't like the chemistry these two have. No. I talked about, no. That, I talked about that a lot in 2018. I was not loving this feud in 2018, but I thought this was a, a pretty solid match. Again, not one that I would call great. I had it at three and a half stars. The execution on a few certain things of this match I thought was top-notch. Uh, as we're recording this, Alan Farrell just tweeted out something. He beat me to my point that Dragon Kid's Ultra Hurricane Rana to finish this match was maybe the best Ultra Hurricane Rana he's ever hit. Just like picture-perfect, when you enter wrestling school and you learn this move, this is how you would want this move to be executed. I thought Ada did a tremendous job at taking that move. And then early on in the match, 
and it's it's all this is almost goes back to like my Diamante did a cool move segment. I feel like I have to point out that Ata did a baseball slide drop kick that it looked like a shoot. Quite honestly, it looked like he just like blew up Dragon Kid with this running drop kick to the outside. It looked tremendous. I you know I, I would love to know, especially from fans that are based in Japan, if they love this rivalry and if they think of this as like an all timer and they love the matches they they have together. Because I've never looked at it that way. I feel like I'm always underwhelmed anytime these two get in the ring. I, I just want this to be more than it is, but for me, it's a three and a half star match. Yeah, uh, that was my rating exactly. Their chemistry just doesn't work. They had a, a fine first five minutes, and then it just kind of was reminded why I was not a fan of this in 2018. Some will like this a lot more than me, but it felt lifeless. Th- but that's it was well that's done. the thing. I, somebody could go four and a half on this, and it wouldn't shock me at all. But I just I've never been in to these two guys as partners or as opponents. Absolutely, absolutely. So that is where the tournament is at of time of recording. I'm going to read over the block standings before we look ahead to the shows for the rest of the week. In the A block, Naruki Doi will finish at two points. Ben K will finish at zero points. Uh, Kota Minora is at 6 with 2 matches remaining. Takashi Yoshida is also at 6 but with 1 match remaining and a loss to Diamante. And then BB Hulk is at 4 with 2 matches remaining and a loss to Takashi Yoshida. And Diamante has 1 match remaining with a loss to Kota Minora on the first night. And then the victory against Yoshida, his only match remaining is tomorrow in Chiba. So real quick... The A block, and I, I want to emphasize this point because I'm afraid that people people are going to get this wrong and they're going to talk about how confusing it is now that Doi and Ben K are out of the tournament. It's not confusing. Here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow, May 19th in Chiba, it'll be, this show will be done by the time you hear this. Diamante versus Hulk. Diamante is going to win that match. Okay, he's going to have eight points. The 25th in, I forget where it's from. Where's that 25th? Sendai. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sendai. It's Minora versus Hulk. Hulk's going to win that match, okay? And then the 26th in Nagata, Minora versus Yoshida, Minora's going to win that match. And Minora's going to have the tiebreaker over Diamante, and he's going to win the block. It's real yeah. It's real simple going forward. Don't let anybody tell you that because Doi and Ben pulled out that it's super confusing. It's not. Ben K was not going to win this tournament. I knew that from the jump. He wasn't in my predictions last week. I thought Doi had a shot, and if it wasn't going to be Doi, it was going to be Minora. It's going to be Minora. The A block is super simple going forward, and we won't see any of these matches. The A block is done, no longer televised. Yep, we won't see anyone until we see who wins the Battle Royal and who wins the block at the June Corkin. So B block, that's a lot more wide open. Uh, people with zero points so far, SB Kento and Jason Lee. People at two points. KZ, Susumu, and Eita. Dragon Kid is leading the block with four points, but he's already had one more match than nearly everyone else in the block. He only he only has two more l- matches left to wrestle. Matches at play. Why did I struggle saying that case? I have no idea. <laughs> Mike, I'm not going to judge you for it. It's okay. You're you're in a very safe space on the Open the Voice Gate podcast. Uh, Dragon Kid's ahead right now. I don't anticipate him to to stay there for much longer. Do we think? Jason Lee gets a win. Do we think he picks up a point in this tournament? I think he could. I don't think it's going to happen televised because he has a match against KZ and Sapporo. That's not going to happen. KZ's not going to lose in his hometown when he's already lost a match in this tournament. 
So uh, I think you're looking at Nagata probably against Susumu. Yeah, I think that's that, that's about where where I'm at. It's going to be an untelevised one. I think he'll get one, uh, but I, I could not tell you which exact show that is going to be on, but I, I think he'll get one. I think there's a guy in the C block that we could talk about maybe not getting any points, which would be very okay. But the B block is super entertaining. KZ could come out of there. Yokoshka could come out of there. Dragon King could come out of there. And Ata could come out of there. Uh, Lee has no shot. And as I've said since these uh, matchups were announced last month when we had the original King of Gate with the Corgan Hall show and the Sabo Hall show and Ben K and Doi were healthy and, and Hip Hop Kakuda was there. SB Kento uh, did not have enough televised matches to me to really make a dent in this tournament. I thought that was something that was super noticeable and he wasn't really uh, positioned yeah. to have any big matches on TV outside that Dragon Kid match. So SB Kento is not winning the block. He'll have decades and decades to win King of Gates later on in his career. A sickening amount of time is in front of him. Uh, <laughs> The way that I kind of see this block playing out, I think Dragon Kid will lose to uh, Dragon Kid. Actually, no, Dragon Kid's in an okay place. I think KZ wins out, so that'll put him at eight. Susumu needs to get two losses since he has the head-to-head. Well, it really doesn't matter about the head-to-head. There's the Battle Royal. But I think Susumu's going to lose to Jason, and I could see... Yeah, yeah. I, I think now KZ's come, not winning the block, but coming out of the Battle Royal, looking at how this block stands. Okay, so so repeat that for me. So who do you think is winning the B block? I think Susumu will win the B block, but KZ will win the Battle Royal. That is very interesting, because I, I feel 100% confident in saying that the Battle Royal winner is going to come out of the C block. I think that between Yamato and Shun, and now I almost feel like you have to throw a Kuda in there, even though he's only at one point, uh those three are too strong for only one of them to survive in advance. I, I, I feel like the B block and the A block, you're looking at the winner winner of those blocks moving on, and the C block, you've got the winner and then the eventual Battle Royal winner. Well, I mean, if Shun's in the, does Shun have to be in the Battle Royal? Because they do drawings to see who gets in the Battle Royal. Like, Shun might not be in the Battle Royal to begin with. Is it not every, I always forget that. Is it not everybody is in the Battle Royal that was in the tournament? Last year, it was not everyone, but that could have been because it was 24 people. But in the past, they have. Yeah, so that, we... that, that confused the shit out of me last year. I remember that now. Um, right, yeah. I'm gonna, I remember I, Doi won the Battle Royal after losing to Ishida. I'm going to continue saying that, that Shun or Yamato is going to win that Battle Royal, but we will see. That's fair, that's fair. And then the C block, uh, zero points is Hio. Don't expect him to pick up any more points there. Keisuke Akuda has the... Odd one point because of his draw with Yamato. At two points is Shun Skywalker, UT, and Kaido Ishida. And then Yamato is undefeated at three points. Yeah, this has been the best block so far. There's a number of really interesting matchups coming up this weekend as it pertains to the C block with the triple shot in Hokkaido that we can talk about now. Well, before we get to Hokkaido, there is Chiba. It will not be televised, but we will have BB Hulk versus Diamante, Jason Lee versus SB Kento, and Yamato versus UT as your league blocks there. But then we get, well, we have three nights in Hokkaido case, and we do have, oh, we actually have full cards already. So there's a lot of stuff to get into in this Hokkaido uh, triple or triple shot. Yeah, the undercards don't look super interesting outside of. The second night, the 22nd, they're doing Akuda versus Don Fuji in a singles match. And then Minora, yeah, baby. Minora and Skywalker versus Ishida and SB Kento. 
which I think is a super interesting looking tag match. And then the final night, uh, you have Masato Yoshino, Yamato, and Dragon Kid versus Hulk, Ishida, and Hyo. I think that's a pretty interesting match. Nothing else on the undercard jumped out to me if you want to just focus on the King of Gate matches going forward. Yeah, you kind of hit on the interesting one. So on the first night, on the 21st, we have UT versus Kaido Ishida, Susumi Okoska versus SB Kento, and KZ versus Jason Lee. Yeah, a number of really interesting matchups here. I think KZ versus Lee, is that that's position of the main event spot. That is exciting. I did not realize that. I It's a homecoming, brother. Yeah, man, uh, my expectations for that, they're not going to be met because my expectations for that are through the roof now. So so KZ's going to get the win there. Uh, Susumu versus SBK, that's a first-time-ever singles match. I think SBK is going to win that. He needs a televised win, and I think it's going to come uh, by the Tim Duncan of pro wrestling, Susumu Yokosuka there. And then you've got Kaito Ishida versus UT. Super, super interesting match. The last time they wrestled on TV was their excellent rookie rankings tournament match. That was really the match where uh, I know I talked to you at the time. I talked to Alan Forel at the time. I going like, oh, man, this Kaito Ishida guy, like, he's kind of figuring something out here. And then they wrestled again uh, last year in Okinawa. That was not televised. But Ishida won their last two matches. Uh, they sit at 2-2-4. Two, two, and four all time uh, with all of the draws coming in dark matches and then UT's two wins, a win on a next show in 2016 and a non-televised show in 2018. I think UT is going to pull ahead in their all-time series. I am going to give this to UT. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like that's going to happen as well. I, I don't disagree with any of your thoughts there. Uh, and When we get into night two and night three of Sapporo, this is where losing... Uh, Binke and Doi Hurt because those were supposed to be BB Hulk matches in his hometown. Like that's why I was saying like KZ got the uh, got the main event for one night, but I was willing to bet that probably uh, BB Hulk versus Doi was going to get one of the other main events. So you know, yeah, that's, no, like that's, I, like, I, like I said when those lamps were announced, that's a match they haven't done since 2014. Uh, since yeah. Dangerous Gate 2014, so that that would have headlined one of those shows. I would have to believe. Yeah, uh, then uh, for night two, we, so we have two uh, King Gate matches. It is Yamato and Hyo from the C block, and then Dragon Kid and Suzumi Yokosuka. Uh, Yamato versus Hyo will be interesting. I mean, the stopwatch will be started here. I mean, we could. I don't think we'll get a Bobby Hill special unless they want to shake things up in that block and give Hyo points that neither of us are expecting. But Dragon Kid versus Susumu, that is a storied match. Well,. Now that you say that, you know, Yamato is going to have the Hyo match and the and the Kaito Ishida match that's not televised left. I think Hyo's winning this match. Put, put it on record, I think Hyo's rolling up Yamato, and I, I think that's how that match is going to go. I'm super intrigued by this match, like I said earlier. I think Yamato versus Hyo is a fascinating matchup. Uh, they've wrestled twice before on the October 21st, 2018 Kobe Sambo Hall Show, which was a 2018 Kobe Sambo Hall Show, so I do not remember that, and I know Mike doesn't either, nor would Mike like to remember that. Uh, <laughs> and then a, a Prime Zone show, Prime Zone 71, Yamato is 2-0 and against Hio all time. But Yamato needs a loss, and I, I just, I, I don't know if this will make sense, but in my mind, the Ashido win would mean too much to not put it on TV, whereas the Hyo win, it's just Hyo. It's who ki- he's going to kick him in the nuts. He's going to roll him up. It's going to be awesome. So I think y- Yamato needs a loss, and I think he's taking it here. 
No, uh, it, it's something that I managed to talk myself into for the Bobby Hill special as soon as I started saying that. But it's also something where I get to see, like, go to Hospital Galleria or just, like, go behind Doji and Sleeper. This isn't worth my time. Like, th- this is a very fascinating match because you could just make just as much of an argument that that Hio wins by bullshit as you can for Yamato just flash beating him immediately. Yeah, very much so. And then, like you said, Dragon Kid versus Susumu, a legendary matchup in the Dragon system. Uh, All-time, Dragon Kid is 10-7-1. and one. Against Yokosuka, he's 2-1 and one in El Numero Uno play and 2-2 two and two in King of Gate play. So it's a rubber match for their King of Gate uh, matchups. The last matchup between these two, Memorial Gate 2019, where Susumu Yokosuka won that encounter. I don't I don't have a feel one way or the other, uh, but Drenkin yeah. is at four points, Susumu's at two. I'm going to go with Susumu Yokosuka getting the win here. Right, yeah, I think Susumu's going to get the win here just to even out the blocks and to make things a little bit more competitive. So uh, DK isn't just like a straight-out runaway, but also DK doesn't have very many matches in hand left. Like, he has a lot of matches in hand, but he's just, he doesn't have a whole lot of runway left. So it's something where, like, he they always have someone in this tournament who, like, finishes his block super early and it's like oh yeah they're done and it seems like that's dragon kid this year yeah very much so and look one hell of a run i like the fact that we're gonna get we end up getting what four televised dragon kid matches from this tournament mm-hmm. and, and yeah you know, the, the first three have been super entertaining and against one of his best opponents ever in susumu i would expect that to deliver as well and dragon kid always gets so many televised stuff this is why whenever like Dragon Kid's in a state that his mask's on the line. I'm like, oh, he's not losing because he's the company guy. Like, they love Dragon, Dragon Kid matches. Like, oh, after, you know, the Big Six and Shima and Mochizuki, when you think about Dragon Kid, you think about Dragon Kid. So, he, he's protected in that regard. So, it makes sense that he has so many televised matches. So, for Night 3 in Hokkaido, got two block matches. Shun Skywalker versus Keisuke Akuda and KZ versus Eita. Two big generational battles, I would say. This is such a tremendous, tremendous. I, you know what? I actually, I really like this, this final card because it, it's going to open with Susumu Genki and UT versus Minora Lee and Estrella. I think that's an interesting match. Uh, match two is Rio Saito and Problem Dragon versus Don Fuji and the former Big R Shimizu. Oh man, that's going to take up minutes of my life that I can't get back. But hey, you- hey, Don Fuji had a surprisingly awesome performance last year in Hokkaido. <laughs> That's true, and I I was thinking about that earlier today, where the Hokkaido triple shot in December of last year, which we saw Masquerade team before they were branded as Masquerade, those three shows were so much fun, and there were numerous notebook matches between us on Mm -hmm. those shows, but it happened at the end of the year, and... There was, you know, that was December where you had the two Corican shows. You had Final Gate, which obviously got a lot of buzz, and then Lost in the Shuffle were those Hokkaido shows. And I don't know how many people really paid attention to those, at least in terms of the people that listen to this podcast. But the Hokkaido shows in December were a ton of fun. They had good energy. I expect them to be the same here. And these final three matches Yoshino, Yamato, and Dragon Kid versus Hulk, Ishida, and Hio. That's just a super fun pairing. I, I, I like the fact that we're getting more Hio versus Yamato in that match. Uh, Yoshino and Dragon Kid is a fun pairing, whether they're they're with each other or against each other. Skywalker versus Sakuda and KZ Eita, really strong ways to close out this triple shot. I'll go to the main event first. Uh, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one all-time in their singles matches. KZ's win came as Dr. Muscle, so you could argue that didn't really count. 
I think Casey needs the win here. I think he's going to get the win in his hometown. He's going to avenge his Gate of Destiny loss over Ata, and I think that could be a great match. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those matches that, like, because of circumstances, because of everything, I mean, Shun was already out of uh, Mochizuki Dojo by the time that... Or did Akuda come in right before Shun left? I'm trying to remember. My memory is really hazy today. I apologize. Uh, uh, Akuda was there in May of 2019. Shun left in December of 2019. But we have not gotten no. this as a singles match. No, but they didn't tag because right as uh, Okuda joined Mochizuki Dojo, Shun was already gone. He already left yes. the, the team. Yes, you're that, correct. That's what I was trying to think. Okay, yeah, yeah, so gotcha. we're both right. We're, we're both right. So that's really fresh. It's something that'll be really interesting with, I think they're making Shun's leg into the uh, tournament long storyline. And Keisuke Akuda has not met a body part that he wants to murder. They did not want to murder. So it makes sense there. And then KZ versus Ata is so fascinating to me. Like, I, I just, just, there's a lot there. I mean, uh, KZ's technically from the generation before him, but they kind of both had their ascent at the same time. Both KZ went on an excursion to Mexico uh, that surprisingly, or not surprisingly, did not make tape whatsoever. He just kind of like reappeared and and his excursions most well meant most well remembered by the fact that Naruki Doi and Masada Yoshino invited him to World One. I'm saying World One this time, make sure I say it right here. But they invited him to World One on a phone call live at Cork in which it must have been like two AM in Mexico City. So and, and, and I should note about that, which is one of the all time great angles that Dragon has ever done. That is on the same Cork and Hall as the uh, Shingo and Cyber Kong turn on BB Hulk, the new hazard into real hazard turn. That is all the same show because I was just recently watching the the Hulk Kong and Shingo angle, uh, just because it's one of the best things I've ever seen, and that's all the same Cork and Hall show, which is insane to think about. Oh, it's it's all insane, especially the fact that you can see Shingo and BB Hulk's old entrance gear. That cracked me up immensely. Uh, but. Yeah, do you have a feel on what they're going to do for Skywalker versus Akuda in terms of a finish? Are they going to go to a draw here? Is the Bravegate champion going to beat the Dreamgate champion the other way around? I I, I don't know. I think uh, Akuda's already had a draw, and they don't like very rarely do they have multiple time limit draws in this tournament. So I think that's unlikely. <sighs> just like looking at everything, it just matters. Like. I'm of the belief, you're of the belief that the C block has the Val Royal winner coming out of it, but whoever wins the block, like, this is a really important match because Okuda loses and he's done. Like, there's no way that he will be able to, he, he could finish with five, but then Skywalker would already be at four and he would still have matches against UT and Hio, which he should win. So, like, essentially, he will be done if he loses this match. But at the same time, that's two losses for the Dreamgate champion who's only suffered his first loss in Dragon Gate this week since returning. So I, I think sadly I think Okuda's gonna be done. I think this that I think that his he'll win out the remaining matches he has in the tournament, but I don't think that he'll win I I think that, that he'll lose to Shun and that'll eliminate him for all intents and purposes out of the league play. I think you're right. But for the sake of being different and for the sake of choosing what I think is the most interesting option, I will say they go to a draw. Oh, I mean, that'd be fascinating. I, I want to see what 20 minutes between these guys, these two guys are. Like, 
just be, just out of sheer interest that that's the result I would like to see. So yeah, that 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 to me is the most interesting result. But I I think Shun beating him is the more likely result. No, I'm totally with you on that. And before we go, just so that we have this down here and people know this, there are other shows that will be happening before y'all hear the next episode. They have a full tour basically up until Wednesday that they have. They they have one more date in Hokkaido on the 24th. They'll have league matches. They have Sendai on the 25th on Tuesday. And then they have Nagata on the 26th. So pretty much this will be it from for the league stage. And we won't see anything after this weekend until Corken Hall, assuming Corken Hall happens. Yeah, so far it's been a great tournament amidst the chaos. I expect this weekend to kill it. Uh, there's just a lot of a lot of stuff I like here. KZ versus Ata, Skywalker versus Akuda, Yamato versus Yo, which I'm fascinated by now, and that KZ Jason Lee main event. There's there's a lot of stuff to like. I think this is going to be a big weekend for Drangate, assuming everybody stays healthy, everybody stays safe. I expect to really enjoy these shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's something where I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the Hokkaido shows each time because I'm always like, oh, there's going to be three shows. People are going to take it easy. They don't, which surprises me, which surprised me in December, and I have no reason to believe that they won't, that, that they'll go full bore on this again. Uh, before we get out of your case, do you have anything else you want to touch on? Uh, no, no, I think that's it this week. Well, that's going to do it. Oh, before we go, I was on Music of the Mat this week talking Millennials themes with Andrew T. Rich. Uh, there is something that, that on the show that I want to propose to you that we need to get this done because it would be perhaps the greatest piece of millennials related merch okay so one of the songs of course we talk about is A's theme overdrive the mirage and it's something that just like the name itself andrew and i were talking uh imagine like the the outrun vaporwave aesthetic and imagine like ada leaning up against the delorean and his ring gear with his jacket with his red glasses with like a really 80s like neon tone with like overdrive the mirage on it as a t-shirt larry dallas if you're listening you are the one that can make this happen it's a great t-shirt idea the fate of our creative endeavors lies in the hands of larry dallas and quite frankly i can't think of a more terrifying proposition (laughs) we're screwed screwed. (laughs) (laughs) kidding larry kidding larry But yeah, no, 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 DM the people. This shirt will be the hottest seller. Trust me. Trust us on this. Well, I am going to listen to that on my way to work tomorrow. I look forward to it. Uh, and, and Mike, I have nothing else. We have we have thoroughly covered Camgate better than anybody else will. Yeah, we went an hour and a half on this uh, on this last week. So, I mean, I don't think anyone else is going to be spending 30 minutes per show talking about this. And, you know, there's no one else I'd rather be talking about talking about it then with you case i'm having real trouble talking today so i think we should end the episode you gave me a compliment though so i'm glad you powered through it was a sincere compliment too it wasn't me trying to like hide my vocal failings i i did this the yeah anyways (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why today all my speech issues are coming home to roost but thank you all for listening and bearing with me on this episode of Open the Voice Gate, you could catch us on Twitter at Open the Voice Gate. Case is underscore in your case. I'm at Fuji Heyo, two eyes like Don Fuji. We'll be back next week talking about the King of Gate lineup as it is and how things went in Hokkaido and looking ahead to see who might be the number one championship because that's what it is. 
case for King of Gate is determining the 2021 number one championship. Absolutely. The number one player in Dragon Gate. Absolutely. So for case, I'm Mike. That's it for Open the Voice Gate. Take care.